When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's up all, Aaron, but not that Aaron here to tell you about Sif Pop Writer's Room. For the past several years, there have been a growing amount of writers for SifPop.com providing best ever challenges, movie reviews, themes, legacies, connections, and so much more. Sif Pop Writer's Room is where that all comes together, giving a voice to those words that you read. And on the show, every week is excellent, getting to chat such a wide variety of movies with a wide variety of movie lovers, and I'm really having a lot of fun with the show, and I just think that you would too. So check out Sif Pop Writer's Room wherever you listen to your podcast, and we'll see you over there. Just remember to knock first. Live from a bunker in the heart of the Ozarks, a podcast that's not monsters, we're cultural disruptors, it's SIFPA. Welcome to Sif Pop Weekly, streaming live most weekends or available to download later in your podcast feed, unless of course you're a patron. Patrons get perks! Patrons get those perks! Jazz hands. <laughs> I'm your host, Aaron Dicer, and he's the biggest thing to happen in Missouri since whatever it is that's happened in Missouri. It's Andrew Ormsby, ladies and gentlemen. I mean, I've put on a few pounds, but <laughs> I mean, not that kind of, not that kind of biggest. Uh, and each week we'll chat about movies, television, whatever else from the pop culture universe is on our minds. And please welcome. Our guest this week, a one and a two, and he always knows what to do. It's Devon Taylor. Woo! That was perfect. I was hoping that would be your intro for this. Thank you for having <laughs> me back. Dude, it is so good to see your face again and to uh, have you back on the show. Uh, we've had you on since you moved to L.A., but it's been you know through the wonders of audio. And, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, it's just been a while since we've kind of seen each other's beautiful faces while we're doing this thing. So uh, it's glad to have you, glad to have you on the, uh, the live show. Uh, if you don't know uh, about Devon, if maybe it's your first time uh, hearing him, he has been a Sif Pop staple for a while. Um, he lives here in the area with us, is another, uh, or lived here in the area with us, another movie uh, a lover like us, film lover that, that we've had on the show. And he's moved out to L.A. I guess maybe we should start there, like... How is it pursuing the dream in, you know, sunny but locked down Los Angeles, you know? Yeah, it's uh it's kind of interesting that I've been in LA for it's been 2 years, 2 and a quarter. And then so then it's like when I think about now like, you know, 3 quarters of a year have been spent under lockdown, I'm just like I don't know, mm-hmm. the my sense of time is kind of all over the place, but it you know, the this past year, though, you know, the first year is always a struggle. Like everybody says, you know, that first year is going to mm-hmm. suck. It's going to be real tough. And, you know, they definitely aren't lying. And, you know, so it was like, you know, but then it was like weird that I like kind of started getting my bearings. And then then everything this shuts all down, happened. everything shuts down. And then it just became like a lot, a lot different. But then again, it was just like. You know, I tried to just find the more the positive out of it, and I was like, I was just real bored as everybody was for a little bit, and like not yeah. really know what to do. But then I was like, hey, this is what you wanted. You wanted more time, you know, to yourself to be able to work on 
projects and stuff like that. You know, like that's what you sure. wanted because I was working at a bar and um, so that went down immediately yeah. and then we like reopened for like two weeks, but then we got shut back down because we didn't serve food. So, so the, the bar w- got closed down indefinitely. And then, so I yeah. just kind of dove, you know, straight into freelancing and trying to, you know, freelance where I could. And, um, I got in with a, uh, media production company. We do like, nice. uh, music videos and live performances. And like, now we're doing like live stream concerts. Cause that's like the thing now, because we can't, we'll know when live music's going to be a thing again. Right. So all these, so it was just, you know, just trying to make the adjustments I could. And then, you know, and then while also I was like, you know what, it's time for me to start my own podcast again. And the last time I was on the show was like the week before I launched the Blade Blunt Cinema Club. Nice. Well, we are excited. If you haven't checked it out, uh, it is the uh, the podcast is called the B- uh, Bloody Blunts Cinema Club, uh, and so you can uh, you can check that uh, out wherever podcasts are, are sold, wherever your local podcasts are sold. You know, the dream, Devon, I'm guessing, is to uh, be on a set where you can get yelled at by Tom Cruise. I think that's the the dream at this point, right? Is to eventually work your way up to getting yelled at by Mr. Cruise. One hundred percent. Like that is, uh, I, I, I mean, I haven't been able to check back in on this person. But I had a bar regular that was a grip on the uh, Top Gun movie, so he got oh. to work with Tom Cruise. So I'm wondering if he got to like work on whatever project this is. That, yeah, um, I think it's the new mission. Whatever Impossible. this incident happened. Yeah, yeah, yeah it was the, possible. So I wonder because I remember he because he got to do the Top Gun movie and then he said he was possibly going to do like because he said like him and Tom were like real cool. So I haven't gotten to check in on this situation, but I'll use my my L.A. super sleuth powers and we'll, we'll let we'll him know if he is out. working with Tom, he better shape up because if he doesn't, he's gone. You're gone and you're yeah. gone, gone. And you're all gone. <laughs> All right, just wanted to just wanted to get that out. You're gonna give him what he wants. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Uh, well, we are excited to have you on the show again. We're gonna have a great time talking movies, which we like to do, doing a best ever challenge, doing some buried treasure. Uh, we're gonna look at a couple Netflix offerings that came out uh, recently. Uh, one came out this week. That's Ma Rainey's uh, Black Bottom, and then as well as uh, uh, the Prom uh, also came out, a musical, new musical on Netflix. So <clears throat> we're gonna take a look at. Uh, both of those today and kind of go over those. Um, in fact, let's just get right into it. Let's uh, talk about Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. A one, a two, a you know what to do. This would be an empty world without the blues. I try to take that emptiness and fill it up with something. They want to call me Mother Blues. That's all right with me. It don't hurt none. (laughs) Tensions and temperatures rise over the course of an afternoon recording session in 1920 Chicago as a band of musicians await trailblazing performer, the legendary mother of the blues, Ma Rainey. Late to the session, the fearless, fiery Ma engages in a battle of wills with her white manager and producer over control of her music. We've got Viola Davis as Ma Rainey. We've got Chadwick Boseman, uh, I believe, in his final role uh, as Levy in this. Uh, Coleman Domingo is another one worth mentioning. I've seen him pop up a lot in some different things uh, in in here as well. And 
Netflix once again saying, hey, when it comes to award season, we're just going to throw it all out there, man. And uh, here's another one looking for some attention and looking for some awards. So I'm curious to hear what you guys think. Um, let's start it off with you, Devon. Did you like it, love it, dislike it, hate it, or it was just okay? Um, I mean, I won't say dislike. I guess it was okay, but I'm, I'm okay. kind of leaning All right. towards dislike. <laughs> All right. I'm excited to hear why. I can't wait to get into this discussion. Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, Andrew, where uh, are you? I'll give it a minute to breathe. <laughs> <laughs> Andrew, what about you? You like it, love it, dislike it, hate it, or it was just okay? Uh, I'm on the high, high, high side of loved it. Ooh. Uh, it might be my second favorite movie of the year. Okay. All right. I'm liking it. We got a little tension here building. I think we're going to be in a good place. I'm going to play mediator yeah. between the two of you. Uh, I'm firmly in the liked it. I really like this movie. I do think there. I have some issues with it, um, but I think the positives for me are enough to outweigh uh, the negatives uh, that I had with the film. I'm trying to think of where we want to start. We usually start with the positive, don't we, Andrew? So we should we should let you go first. Like, tell us since you loved this so much. By the way, people are probably wondering what's the movie you still have above it. Uh, do you mind sharing that, or do you want to keep that a secret? Uh, actually, it uh, was a movie that was lower down on my list, but I went back and I rewatched it, and it it went all the way up to number one, and that's uh, Trial of Chicago Seven. Oh, okay, all right. So this is just below yeah. Trial of Chicago mm. Seven. Um, so tell me what mm-hmm. you tell us what you loved about it. Uh, first off, you know that I am a avid fan of good performances. Yes, and this movie is a master class in how to own a performance and make a character come real uh, by multiple people. I think that Viola Davis and Chadwick Boseman are, and even Coleman Domingo are giving Oscar if not Oscar nomination worthy performances here. I think that Viola Davis is unrecognizable. She truly transforms into Ma Rainey. It's like, it's ungodly good at how amazing she is. <laughs> and Chad- Chadwick Boseman just has this ability to, whenever he's talking, he just, you focus in and you just want to know so much about this character. There's this one scene in particular where he's giving his, uh, I guess you could say, his monologue, you know, of why he is or why he does what he does. Mm -hmm. And the entire time I'm watching it, uh, part of me is going, I am so disheartened and sad that we lost him. But at the same time, I am so happy and that we were blessed with him, you know, Mm -hmm. to see him get that he had the ability to give performances like this. Yes, he's always going to be remembered as Black Panther, but hopefully with movies like this, this makes people who only knew him as Black Panther, if they see this, they'll go, "Oh, if he's this good, I got to go back and I got to see his uh, the rest of his <clears throat> uh, his catalog, you know, mm-hmm. like um whenever he did James Brown or uh even uh earlier this year he did uh Defy Bloods, mm-hmm. which I also really really loved. Um, if there's going to be a movie that he's going to get nominated for this year, it's going to be this one. I think that he's more as a uh, a plot point in Defy Bloods as opposed to an actual character. Whereas here, I think he's a super fleshed out character with motives. And it's funny because this movie's called Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, but I would actually say that the main character in this is Levy. 
I wouldn't say that it's Ma. I think it's him. I, I mean, I think they both are, and I think you see it uh, reflected on the poster where they're both on the poster. I, I, in fact, I think they are both aspects, different aspects of what I believe the movie is trying to you know, point out uh, about uh, racial issues from that era. And so it is... It's interesting to see. We'll, we'll focus on the performances because I think that's where you focused, kind of in your, you know, your first uh, explanation of why you love this. Um, yeah, that's my main love for this movie. I I'm completely with you on Chadwick. I was absolutely enthralled with him. Now, this movie is a movie that is like it definitely wants to give you give the actors the stake. Like there are there are Oscar real you know, moments built into this for these actors, you know, like that is, it's like chew on this, do this thing. And Chadwick pulls it off. I wasn't as sold with, uh, unfortunately with Viola a couple times. I usually, really? I, I love her so much and I think she's so talented and I, she gives her all to this performance. There were just a couple times for whatever reason where it just seemed like a little bit much for me. It didn't, it didn't bring it down overall. Um, but I did appreciate that performance. Um, why don't you jump in there, Devon, like with some thoughts on the performance and kind of some of your other thoughts on the movie? Yeah, I mean, I guess my thoughts on the movie is it's kind of touching on, you know, some of what she says. Like, yeah, this is the built-in, you know, hey, this is we're gonna get some people some award nominations type movie. And but at the same time, like I don't like that. That's why it was the kind of, it feels like that's the only reason why, because like, this isn't, I didn't know that this was adapted from a stage play. And then I, I, but I immediately like felt it like, like within right. the first 10 minutes in the movie, I knew it was kind of be like, it was kind of going to be like a fences situation. Yes. Yeah. But that, that, it's like, yes, but I just didn't feel like the story, the, the stage play itself, like just lent itself to needing to be in a cinematic format. Um, I feel like it literally was just kind of a series of setups for, you know, these big scenes. Okay. Whose turn is it to have a scene now? Whose turn is it to have a monologue now? You know? And like, yeah, the acting is great. I love Chadwick Boseman. I thought this was uh, definitely a great swan song for him. Um, it got to show mm -hmm. off, you know, you're good. So I have a fire alarm in my apartment. Do you need to go? It just went off. If you, hey, listen. No, it just went off. We're not, we, are, we are fully willing to pause a live show for you to get out of a burning building, okay? So let's just be yeah. very clear. There are, the show must go on. It only goes to a certain point. No. I'll, I'll get the status report, but um, there's no fire going okay. on. Okay. Okay. Fair enough. Um, apologies. Um. But yeah, uh, I think this was a great swan song for Chadwick to have. Like, um, you know, we got to see uh, the layers, you know, his charisma. We got to see some anger. We got to see all the stuff. Like, we got to see the full range of it. And uh, funny, yeah, the Defy Bloods was the last episode that I was on. Mm -hmm. And um, and yeah, he, we definitely gets you know a more heavy feature here. And Viola Davis is also great as Ma Rainey. Like, um, I was I was sold on the performance. I didn't think it was, I didn't think it was too much, or not because it was her fault, but I mean, more of like 
kind of the writing of it. Like, I don't know, like the way that everybody talked in third person kind of started to bother me. And, <laughs> and like, I don't know, there's, I think there's just like kind of written narrative choices that I just wasn't really sold on from like any, uh, you know, other than from the acting. And then I just like also felt like the, the production was just, it was kind of flat. Like, it wasn't bad, but it was just enough to get by to where it's like, okay, hey, award show, don't look at the technical stuff. That's not what we're here for. We are here for some acting. And, like, mm-hmm. and it's, yeah, like, cool, I guess. I don't know. No, 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 no. I totally hear what you're saying. And I think you're dead on when you say that that probably the issues I may have had occasionally, and again, it was just occasionally with Viola Davis, were issues based on the context of the performance, things like how it was written, how it was staged, all those kind of things. And I think you bring up Fences uh, is such a perfect correlation for what we're talking about here. Because my main thing with Fences is what you're talking about, is the idea that this this didn't show its reason to be a movie, right? Like it didn't, mm-hmm. it, it really is, you know, I, I think of Hamilton, right? We saw Hamilton's filmed version of the stage musical this year, and it was amazing. And they did a few cool things with camera angles and filming it from different you know, ways, but it was the stage presentation. And sometimes with movies like this, I think this movie can fall into this. And like you said, I think Fences falls into this as well. It just feels like, oh, so you basically just build more realistic looking sets and then everybody does the play. And and that that can feel a little bit contextually cheapened, um, even as there's so much to chew on. Um, and so I think I, I really feel kind of what you're saying. And I think a lot of my negatives kind of fall into um, that category. Now, one positive we haven't talked about that I do want to bring out because, um, again, I, I am so... I had uh, some, I can't remember who it was. I had somebody recently uh, ask me if I had noticed uh, an uptick in in movies about racial issues, persons of color, all those kind of things. And I'm just, I'm so glad at the different representation and the perspectives that we're getting. And there were some things in this movie, especially some of the Chadwick Boseman stuff, that just absolutely destroyed me with authenticity and truth, uh, especially in dealing with racial things we need to understand and start thinking about in history, history that we need to understand. And, um, you know, this movie is making a very, uh, this, this play that is now a movie is making a very specific point about what cultural appropriation really is, what it looks like, who has the power, where that power comes from, how is that power taken back? Um, all of those things are addressed here in, you know, in the, I guess this is kind of a uh, spoilerish thing, but I don't think it's a huge one. But the movie finishes with a really depressing moment of appropriation, right? And just, you know, kind of one of those things where it's like, yeah, this is the point you're making. The point you're making is that the trauma and the the pain that we saw never makes it to the surface uh, in that era. And now I think finally a lot of that pain is starting to make it to the surface and educate so many of us who hadn't felt that or seen that. And so for that reason alone, this movie bumps up a couple notches for me just because I think it handles that stuff fairly well. Now I'm a white guy, so I, I haven't lived it. I don't, you know, I don't know it. Um, but that's, that is for me, at least the educational part of it was, you know, a huge thing for me. So I wanted to bring that up as well. 
Nice. I mean, yeah. I'm a, I'm a white guy too, so yeah. <laughs> so maybe we should let Devon talk. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, uh, this would definitely be an interesting, you know, uh, kind of perception thing. Is you know that I'm glad that you know that the movie could do that, you know, in a way. But for me, I guess like whenever I see it and hearing the things that they're talking about and the way that they're being presented in the movie just doesn't like it's like okay like i hear the message like that they're delivering because of the monologue that they're delivering so they're kind of telling you but Mm -hmm. that's why like it kind of bothers me like that the movie does like does like the bare minimum to deliver the message in a in a cinematic fashion because again like if you're gonna do this and you're gonna make a message and you're gonna have it in a movie, then how? Then you're gonna you need to present it better. And I feel like I mean because like they would some of these big moments would kind of come out of nowhere. Like you know the conversation would be on one thing, and then all of a sudden, you know, like you know when Levy kind of has his you know first powerful moment of like you know of his backstory, you know that that moment kind of comes at like such a very odd moment in the film in the pacing wise and then Mm -hmm. it's just kind of like you know it's put out there and then we move on to something else and then and just also i don't know it just it it comes off very thin because it's like these are issues that like you know that i understand a little bit more Mm -hmm. you know and then that's kind of where it's like you know maybe that's because this is a a netflix movie that's gonna be like kind of you know seen by a lot of people so it's gonna be you know a little bit more accessible but i feel like that just kind of also does a disservice to the stories and themes that's trying to present that they kind of put it in this sanitized form and like also not really care about the way that they're developing the message they're just saying hey we have the message here we're gonna throw it out but they don't they didn't put more effort into the way that they worked it into the narrative or the into the pacing of the film. Where do you think where do you think that starts, Devon? Where where do you think they should have if they were going to adapt this stage play, which that you know, that was the goal, um, and kind of keep the the structure of it and the message of it, um, how do they make it a better cinematic experience? Does it start with kind of throwing away a lot of the plot structure and developing a new plot structure? Because I'm not sure how you keep this plot structure and still expand it. You know what I mean? Like, it's it's very much about that day, that recording session. So do you just make it about more? Like, what do you think? What How, how would you no, change it? No, I think... I, I think the story is is just fine. Um, the the story itself like works. Like I love movies that are contained in like a singular location and like they they can work. But like the the kinetic energy just like kind of wasn't there, or there just also wasn't like a visual personality. Like the person that directed this film is primarily a stage direct stage director person. Like he's not even a big movie person. So it's like you can kind of tell that like he just presented it as as a play as they would, you know, but like, you know, bring a a director that has, you know, passion for the story, but also has like, you know, a distinct a distinct storytelling voice. Like I don't feel like there what like there is a creative director behind this that like, you know, like I don't hear a voice through it. I just hear the stage play. I just see the stage play. You know, I don't mm-hmm. like fences 
it it felt a little bit more like cinematic because it felt more rooted to these people and you were kind of in their home and it was more intimate in a way that we kind of were invested a little bit more in those characters. And I feel like that's kind of also, I don't know, like the, again, like I, I didn't feel the, the, the characters backstories, like they, they weren't as authentic to me because they were just kind of presented in a very like matter of fact fashion. Okay. I don't know. Like it just, yeah, I understand never, what you're saying. It never I hear what you're saying. gelled for me. Yeah. Um, I think it's interesting. I think we all stated kind of where where we land on it in in a good way. You know, I think I understand, Andrew, why you love it. And uh, and Devon, I understand, you know, kind of why it felt very surface to you. Um, I see and I'm kind of right in the middle agreeing with both of you uh, in Hmm. in some ways. Um, And just so I kind of land in in more in the middle of it. Um, Anything else we want to talk about? I guess I'll say this while you guys are thinking if there's anything else you want to mention. I did want to give a shout out to the other guys in the band. uh, Glenn Terman is Toledo and uh, Michael Potts is slow drag. I thought the chemistry between that group of men was really good. I, it was just believable to me. I, I believed them as a band that had been working together and doing this, the looks they gave each other. I just, I thought that was really well done. Yeah. Um, actually, funny enough, going back to Defy Bloods, whenever we did that uh, initial review, I said that that was a perfect way to immediately introduce characters and have instantaneous chemistry between them when they're all meeting in the airport for the first time. I think when the band all goes to, I guess it's the green room or the cellar, whatever you want to call it in this, I I got the exact same feeling of like, I am getting to know these characters and I'm getting to see how they vibe with each other immediately, how they're all at the beginning, you know, uh, jabbing, you know, at each other, you know, all in good fun, you know, just lighthearted, you know, friend, friendly stuff, you know, they're, they're making fun of you know, Levy with shoes and stuff like that, or, or, you know, talking about, you know, how old is like taking his time and going slow with Toledo. But, uh, you, you get a sense of camaraderie with all these guys like instantaneously, and you just want to know more about them. And I think that that's something that, um, I I guess we also need to shout out August Wilson, who both wrote this and fences mm-hmm. so the stage play um maybe that's just uh, i guess they would take place right around the same time period uh the early 30s uh 40s era ish I, I i i'm not really sure the exact i think fences is a little frame. later i could be wrong but um i mean you can yeah. look it up we can google it but yeah yeah but uh you know they're 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 like a uh i guess you could say a window to a time that is just he makes it feel so real with you know the plays and stuff like whenever i watched defenses for the first time I'm like this is so what i would imagine there's an authenticity to it that you feel you don't have to have lived through that time period to know that what you're watching just feels and you just know in your heart that it's real and i got the same feeling watching this as well so yeah i just i guess i guess i just love august wilson and i gotta go <laughs> check out more of his plays yeah for sure because i love fences and i love this so what about you devon any other uh final thoughts um uh, i mean i don't know i felt like i got a little negative there but it's not like i won't say it's a bad 
film. Like this is not a bad film. It is a a very watchable film, and you know, and that's gonna work for you know, kind of interesting. You know, this weird Netflix brand of an Oscar bait movie because like you know we have Oscar bait movies when the when a small indie film makes it, but now we have Netflix kind of making these because like you know again it's it's very watchable it has you know big themes that are a little bit more digestible and i mean and great performances across the board i mean i love coleman domingo i want him to be in like every film um he's oh, uh, yes. great in euphoria so good. he's a uh, great in euphoria if you guys haven't watched that um no, but um but yeah like in and yeah i i was here for the performances um, I just wish there was, yeah, a way to make it, I don't know, more of a, more of a movie. I don't know. No, I hear what you're saying. I hear it, what you're saying. Uh, Coleman Domingo, you mentioned Euphoria, which I, I, I have watched and I don't know, have you seen the, the movie kind of, that they just did? Like the, um, I forget it was just him. The, their Christmas special. Yeah. No, yeah. I did you see that? I haven't watched it yet. Oh, he gives like a master class in acting in that. It's basically an hour long therapy session between the two of them. And it, it doesn't go anywhere. I mean, really, speaking of kind of stage play like, but it is super compelling. I, yeah, I, I think you would enjoy that quite a bit. So uh, make sure oh, yeah. you check that out. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, there you go. Um, I think it's a recommend if for no other reason that if you love movies and you already have Netflix, uh, it's definitely part of the conversation and something you're going to want to check out. Uh, and again, even just solely for the performances, it's, I think, worth watching. So um, be a recommend uh, from me. You guys, what do you think? Oh, hell yeah. Yeah? <laughs> yeah, um, I'd, I'd recommend it. Uh, the music. I also forgot about the music. The music is really good in this. Uh, I think that uh, the musical performances were all pretty good. Like, this isn't a full-blown musical like the next one we're talking, but I love pseudo-musicals as well. And I mean, the music performances were solid, so... It's worth it for that in the performances. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Look at Devon setting up the segue like a king, like a master, uh, going on to uh, a musical. Let's talk about it. Uh, Let's talk about the prom. Hello, interweb. My name is Emma Nolan, and I'm 17. You might have heard about the prom in Indiana. I just want to go to prom like any other kid. All opposed. I know we all have stories to tell, and here's mine. Oh my gosh, check this out. It's all over Twitter. She wanted to take her girlfriend to the high school prom. Down on their luck, Broadway stars shake up a small Indiana town as they rally behind a teen who wants to go to the prom with her girlfriend. Uh, This is... Uh, Nicole Kidman, James Corden, Meryl Streep. Uh, and as soon as you say Meryl Streep, you know that you have to talk about Oscars just because apparently 
that's all it takes is her name and you're in the Oscar conversation. Uh, this also mm-hmm. comes to us from Netflix. Um, and really, even with those big names in it comes down to the performances of uh, Ariana DeBose and Joe Ellen Pellman. Uh, and so let's talk a little bit about it. Uh, guys, what do you think? Andrew, we'll start with you this time. Did you like it, love it, dislike it, hate it, or it was just okay? I can't give you just a simple answer without context. I, <laughs> That's fine. Uh, with the first 20 minutes of this movie, I was so sure. I've never been more sure in my life that I was going to hate a movie as much <laughs> as I hated this one. But I'll tell you, by the end of this movie, I was crying. I think I'm going to land on I liked it. Yeah. A solid liked it. Like, not really liked it, not just meh. I like this movie. You know what? I'll go next because that 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 experience is I mean, so similar to mine that I could pretty much just say ditto. Uh it took me about I think I will say it took me about ten minutes before I was like, Oh, this is what we're doing. And and something started to click with me where uh I was just like yeah, I think I can give myself to this and have a fun time with this and know that it's ridiculous, know what it's doing and have fun with it. And by the end, yeah, I liked it. I was so sure at the beginning that I that I wasn't going to enjoy it. And by the end, I'm like, you know what? I like musicals and this is about as musical as it gets. This is about as Broadway as oh, you, you can yeah. make something. Uh, so, And I hate musicals, you know that. Yeah, no, so. that's true. That's true. So I ended up liking it as well. What about you, Devon? Uh, Sif Pop audience, if this is your first episode you've listened to with me on it, go back oh, to the no. other ones. I'm typically an optimist. I'm typically a positive guy. <laughs> but, oh, I had, like, literally the opposite experience. Uh, I was, like, the first little, like, bit of it, I was like, hey, this is all right, I guess. Like, it's whatever. Like, I don't love it, but it's okay. And then it just got so much worse for me. And uh, so I'll I'll still say I'll say it's okay, but I also kind of disliked it. Um, it, it was yeah, like say, I it disliked like it, but like it was it, entertaining. But it was entertaining look, still. Be- I won't say I did. I won't say I didn't chuckle a lot. You know, but man. good to know. Good to know. And I will say you are in the majority here, from my understanding. Uh, once I've uh, watched something and kind of uh, processed my own thoughts on it, done my review. Those kind of things. I'll go and check out other people. And yeah, this is not doing well. G- critics in general are not uh, giving this good score. So you, I think, are in the majority on this one. Um, I, I am surprised, especially knowing how Andrew feels about musicals, that I'm not the one having to fight for the good points. of. I'm not alone having to to fight for uh, some of the good points of this. But, um, but yeah. yeah. I also want to make it clear I do have issues with this movie, obviously. Yeah. But um, I just want to... Because I was coming off the hype train of Ma Rainey coming to this, where I really didn't have anything bad to say about that movie. This one, I I I, I got issues, people. So you'll you'll get to hear me. Yeah, issues. Talk about that. <laughs> well, I'll start us off on this one. I think I probably liked it the most. Um, I'm not sure I liked it more than Andrew, but it feels like maybe a little bit. Um, I, as already mentioned, am a lover of musicals, especially that Broadway feel. If you can do a good Broadway-style song, I just kind of give myself to it. There's just something so elevated about it that it it hits my soul on a place that, you know, regular storytelling just doesn't. And there's something about giving yourself to a musical that is a little bit abstract because when you give yourself to a regular uh, storytelling motion picture kind of thing, 
you are buying into the authenticity of the world. When you give yourself to a musical, especially a Broadway musical like this one, authenticity is not one of the keywords. This is not authentic. No. This is elevated. This is surreal. This is strange. This is dumb. This is, you know, like there, there are just there are just elements of things that happened where you just can't turn on that part of your brain that's like, that doesn't make any sense because you're in a Broadway musical. Like, you know, it's just so there is an element of not turning your brain off, but adjusting the dial of your brain to be in a certain kind of mindset for what goes on here. Um, many movies are like that. Many genres uh, have a little dial you kind of have to adjust, um, you know, as far as being in them. This movie, what it does right, and the reason I come away liking it more than disliking it, is I think the tone is consistent. Now, there it does deal with a very real and serious and authentic topic, and the idea of the rights of this girl to go to prom with her girlfriend, you know, like all that stuff is is meant to be affecting, but it happens in a consistent tone of over-the-top ridiculousness, silliness, um, that I don't think uh, short-circuits it. At least it didn't for me uh, in any way. Um, so, yeah, so the gift of being able to be elevated like that and then still uh, reach in and touch something important um, is not always easy, but I, I felt like this movie did it all right for me so um who wants to go next uh andrew why don't you uh give give us some thoughts next well uh leading off of what you just talked about i have never really been one for broadway and not that's not just for a musical standpoint but you were talking about how uh you know everything is elevated and you have to kind of give yourself in to and accept the ridiculousness of it to you know kind of enjoy it uh, not having that kind of switch that I can normally turn on and off for, you know, uh, entertainment like this, I did find it difficult. And I think that's why it took me longer in the beginning of the movie to finally give myself up to it. Because I'll say it was like at least 30 minutes of this movie, of this movie that felt like it was nine hours, by the way. This movie <laughs> is way too long. But um, it's a fair point. It's a fair point. No, no, honestly, there's so a, there's so many songs, too many songs, way too many songs. It, this movie could have been half an hour Not shorter enough songs. if they cut More out. songs. Give me all the songs. I'm just More kidding. Songs. No, you're, you're right. There are too many songs. Yeah. But um, there are songs in this that I'm like, oh, that's a great song. There's actually a song in this movie that I feel pretty confidently is going to at least get nominated for Best Original Song. Um, it... it brought me to tears and i'm like oh this is powerful i'm loving this um but going back to the beginning whenever you're getting introduced to these characters and i'm like yeah okay first off i don't think it's really a spoiler to talk about this in the beginning we're not supposed to really like these broadway no. people no yeah and i think that it's odd that a, that a movie slash play would start off introducing you to the people you aren't really supposed to like, as opposed to landing you and like, okay, I really want this person. If it would have started off with, uh, I forget her name now, Joe uh, Ellen, uh, yeah, Joe Ellen Pellman. If it would have started off with her and M as Emma and like getting to know her, I probably would have fallen in to the accepting this movie a lot quicker. Okay. But since it started off with the Broadway, I'm like, oh, I don't like these people. 
Why are we spending so much time with these people when they're getting to do musical numbers before I even get to care about what the movie's supposed to be about? And I'm, I feel like I'm nitpicking not only a movie, but also a play because, you know, it's based off of a play. Sure. Um, uh, that I'm like, yeah, I think that the, the play could have done without this, not done without this group, but this whole side dynamic of why they're going to Indiana. If they would have cut that out completely, I don't think it would have affected the story much at all. So I don't think that their motivation, I guess, adds anything to the movie slash play other than to pad time for an already very, very long movie. Uh, Devon, I want to hear what you have to say, but I, 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 I hard disagree to that. This is, this may be the hardest, uh, any of us have disagreed on anything. Um, I think that that plot line is crucial to what is going on in this movie, at least the way I eventually saw it, which is to set up the different responses to this event from, uh, I'm going to use a very dangerous phrase here, both sides. Uh, you know, the idea that, that I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I said it, I said it. But the, the idea that there is some negativity, some misunderstanding on the more, hey, we're going to go help side, like the, the meta nature of that is important to balance off the normal and understandable and proper amount of derision of the, the people who don't want this to happen. Because in many ways, Get Out kind of did the same thing much, 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 much better, where it, it, where it acknowledged the idea of it's not just about the overt people who are being overtly uh, opposed to something. It's about the subtlety of the person who would vote for Obama a third time if they could. You know what I mean? Like there's like there's the overcorrection. The, in the, overcorrection is a weird not, word. Not but, in this case, but I guess it overcorrection is more apt and get out than this but right yeah but so i do think that's actually important to what's going on here otherwise i think it can come off a little more pedantic and i don't think this comes off a of pedantic at all in fact where i actually transitioned into really liking this was i thought one of the most beautiful and appropriate approaches to the idea of um well, I can't approve of homosexuality because of what the Bible says. And then the song, uh, I think it was called Love Your Neighbor. Love Your Neighbor Trumps Them All, I think was, was a song. I hated that song so much. It's so perfect, though, for that message, for understanding uh. you know, what's going on there. Um, so and, and maybe I'm just coming at this from a different perspective. You know, maybe I'm just coming at this from the you know, perspective of understanding people you know, who need to hear that, to, who need to internalize that more instead of, you know... Um, you know, just kind of being, this is how we think because we're in this camp and this is how we think because we're in this camp. And I don't know. I just, that, that song was, I thought, really powerful. So I'm excited to hear why you, you hated it. But Devon, we haven't let you talk yet. So please tell us about your feelings. I mean, this is all so interesting because it's like, I agree with all of us, but at the same time, this is so funny that we like have varying, de- <laughs> but we have varying degrees of enjoying this because it's like sure. so many of the reasons that you just mentioned are so many reasons I dislike it. Sure. Like this whole, I don't like the the movie itself. Yes, one way too long. Two, I love musicals. I'm a big musicals fan, actually. Um, but the thing is, and it's like I am so here for like again, like the elevation of it all. Like okay, but it's like okay, this didn't even like get like go big enough. It didn't get weird enough. The the thing with if you're gonna make a a movie of a musical, like the weirder the better. 
I did an entire month on specifically horror musicals for my podcast, and they're the best because they are the absolute weirdest. And this is like, okay, here we have it, but I was like, you know, I think there could have been, it's not that there could have been more songs, it's just there could have been better songs. All the songs are just like kind of there. I literally just watched this movie, like what, 90 minutes ago, like before we started, and I can't remember a, a single one of them except for like the very the the sad one at the end, um, and and it's like if you're gonna tell this story and like kind of have this this message behind it, like you can hit the both sides like kind of thing, but also have way less of these adults in the movie about a prom, about a story of a young you know queer person having a moment, an identity issue. Why are we spending so much time with these adults? They they could have been the side characters that you dislike, that they are the representation of toxic allyship, which is kind of what they're going for here. Right. And they could have had literally 30 minutes less of them because there is so much of them talking that I just do not care for. I mean, I worship at the antelope legs of Nicole Kidman, but I just could not take how much, but I cannot take how much these adults are in this movie about a prom. Like, give me more of the, the, the teen story. And then like, yes, give like the, you know, the, the, the accents of having the, these adults and the different ways that they are responding to the situation. But it's just all, yeah, it's too much. That two-hour, ten-minute runtime literally does feel like six hours. It's just, and the pacing is so, it's so wompy, and it kind of suffers from this thing that a lot of, or that I think a lot of like Broadway stage plays and musicals suffer from is like they have a re- they have a good first act, and then the second act is like usually the slump because like in a show they're trying to give you all the goods in the first act, you know, keep you awake, and then they give you and then they hit mm-hmm. you with all the sappy stuff and all the boring stuff in the second act and then all the themes and whatnot and it's like they definitely kind of do that they like front load this movie a little bit and then it kind of dips and then they get their second wind and then the second wind it like the prom the first prom happens like so early and then the the i don't know the everything was just so wompy about this movie like I love yeah, most of I, the ass, but uh, it's yeah. wompy. No, you're right. I I hear you and and disagree. I think you know. I think and that's okay. That's that's why we have these conversations. Andrew, what were you gonna say? Oh, I was gonna tell him that I a trillion percent agree with him mm-hmm. uh, on the on the uh, fact that the movie focuses too much on the adults in this. Uh, as uh, Devon said, the movie is about prom, and honestly, I think the most you know, uh, entertaining and, like, emotional backbone of this movie is with Emma Nolan, uh, our little, uh, the girl in this. I think that, first off, uh, when you have a movie with Nicole Kidman and uh, Meryl Streep in it, and you're being outacted by a newcomer, I think that uh, Joe Ellen Pellman here is, like, the the emotional heart of this movie. Everything that I ever felt in this movie that like would bring me to tears or make me smile or anything at all, it came from her. It wasn't the four main leads of this movie. I think that they should have made uh, 
you know, uh, Andrew Reynolds, Nicole Kidman, James Corden, and Meryl Streep. Uh, a uh, more supporting, like, uh, in the background, like, a, oh, hey, I'm going to pop in, like, a fairy godmother sort of thing. You yes, know? exactly as opposed, that. As opposed to, like, it's funny because Meryl Streep, her first song in this is It's Not About Me, you know? And then the entire rest of the movie feels like it's about her and but the that's rest the point. of the people. That's the point no, of that not. song. The whole point of that song is that she's an idiot for that she's being disingenuous when she says that. That she's going yeah. to make it all about her. But, but then, then as a writer, uh, I forget who wrote this, Bob Martin, and I don't mm -hmm. know who the actual like uh, play is by. Oh, also Bob Martin. Uh, so, yeah, you have a movie that's it's not about me. But ironically, it is all about her. Right. He still doesn't have the sense to realize in his own play he's falling into okay. his own plot point that that he makes more should... sense to me. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Like, yes. You're writing a song ironically about it's not about me, but then you mess up and you make the whole play about her. Yeah. Um, it, it sounds like it sounds like the 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 uh, one of the major parts that you're both having issue with, and I, I think I understand is that you wanted more of um you know kind of the 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 school the kids the prom itself yeah. to be the focus of the story not so much the topic and how that's dealt with you know by adults and th and that makes sense to me i totally get that that's a different that's a totally different movie that is not this movie that is not what this movie you know, wanted to be. Um, I wish I watched I think, that movie. I, yeah, but I think that is what this movie wanted to be. But then they also they That's I think it. they made their point by accident. Be by the in the movie, it's okay. It's these adults that are focusing on themselves and making the situation about themselves without focusing on what the actual situation is with these kids. But then that's what the movie also does too. The movie doesn't have to do that. You can still send that message, but then you correct it in the movie by still centering this story on the, on the, the kids, on what's going on instead of shoving it into the last 20 minutes of the movie when you had two hours and 15 minutes to do this. And then they literally Bingo. gave, they gave her character all the stuff like at the very back end of the movie. We didn't need all the stuff from the adults to send that message. That's where you as the movie correct it. That's how you send your message. But then they still did that anyways by making the movie all about everything else around the situation besides the actual interesting, you know, heartwarming story that should be there. And you know, that's where the movie messes up. The only way to know uh know for sure is that you know talk to the, the storyteller or maybe look for some interviews and and kind of why they wrote it but it seemed to me that whoever uh wrote this when they did was not dealing with we have to fix how uh this next generation sees these issues in fact this this movie feels very much like the next generation's got it like the, the kids are going to be all right like that's that's what this movie seems to be saying to me is like it's the prop the the issue that we need to address isn't with the kids who is it's affecting it's with the generation that's still in authority and controlling them and how they understand and how they process and how they deal with it i ju i just think that's not I just think the movie you guys wanted to see, which I agree, maybe a better movie. It absolutely might be a better movie. Isn't the movie that they wanted to make, and maybe that's where we disagree the most. Is you think they did want to make it and failed at it? Um, but I just I look at the the 
like the poster and the material and it's it's got the adults on it it's like it's not about the kids this movie so like i think that was intentional I think that's so strange to make that your intent if that's the message you're well, because, trying to make also. I don't know. I think it's... Well, because the message I, I is directed at I mean, my generation. I think you're the message wrong. is directed at my generation. I don't think this is a movie for the next generation. I like they like. I don't know. I think this is a movie for my generation, maybe the generation right after me, you know, like uh, maybe millennials, you know, like Gen <laughs> X millennials. I think that's who this is for. Um, you know, not the, the, whatever the, I always forget the new generation, what the, the generation names the always Gen slip my brain. Zers. Yeah. The Gen Zers, you know, like they, so I, I agree that the stuff I loved the most were our primary Gen Z, you know, actors. Um, but at the same time, I don't think that's what the movie is about. Um, or certainly you not what still- the movie is about. I don't think it's what the movie meant to be about. So. You can still send that message to that generation, but through the voice of this younger generation. But yet, I think they were still, but they still told it through the generation who they're trying to speak to. They told it through their voice. I think the mm-hmm. message would be received more if it's like, okay, you can still send that message to that generation, but tell it Could through be. the this other way. But, you know. No, I, I appreciate and, the perspective. I think it's it's really interesting to think about, and um, and yeah, I'm obviously the minority on this, so that and that's uh, that's fine. But interesting um, that it's uh, from Ryan Murphy that he directed this. I feel like that's yeah. a very interesting cog in all of this. Because and he, like, I think that perspective kinda... actually makes sense from Ryan Murphy as he is in an older generation. You know that that's that he is trying to address his peers. Um, makes a little sense to me uh producing it this way i don't know uh you know that intent is certainly not something i i completely know but i definitely hear what you guys are saying i'll tell you what's really funny is that everything that aaron and i have been saying we've been like disagreeing on yet we both came out the end of this saying that we liked it (laughs) i think that it's interesting that we can i'm not saying that we cherry picked the things that we liked but the things that hit us emotionally, I guess, really did like affect us emotionally. And that can really overshadow, even if that's like, that's like your one positive. I'm not saying it is, but if that's your one positive, it can overshadow multiple negatives. And you can still come out going, this affected me on an emotional level. There's a lot of problems with it, but you know what? I'm going to give it some grace and say that I like this because... Uh, it, in the end, that's what movies are supposed to do. They're supposed to make you feel something or think, you know, and tr- uh, be thought-provoking. And at the end, w- for all of its uh, faults, this movie did its job for me. So That's good to say. Um, what did you guys think of Corden in this? Overactor. I, I was with uh, you until his scene. He has this, and all of a sudden I'm like, oh, you, you can do this. Like he, that, I, that was actually the scene that I, I decided he was an overactor. Oh, interesting. Okay, cool. I yeah. mean, I like that scene, but it was like kind of like the same issue I had with Ma Rainey. That scene, like the way that where it came from and like how it got there sure. and then that scene being there, it just like kind of felt funny, but it was a good, I mean, I think he was, um, him and uh, Keegan-Michael Key were probably the strongest of the adults, I would say. Um, as far as uh, performances go. Okay. I, mm. I, uh, what I'm sensing, Devon, and please correct me if I'm wrong, but I think it's an appropriate amount of cynicism 
in how we approach these acting performances come uh, awards time. Because there is definitely a paint by numbers. Here's the playbook way you, you know, you get nominated for an acting award. Here's your big scene and here's how you put it together. And what, what your cynicism is allowing you to do. And sometimes that can feel like a negative word. I don't mean it that way. Um, but it, it, it allows you to go, okay, but did this come from an actual place or is it just a bunch of words you put on the screen to have a big moment? And that's what I'm hearing from you. And I, and I think that's really yeah. valid. I think that's a very valid way to kind of look at these bravura performances is okay. I get it. You've got great words to say, and you can say them in authentic and amazing ways, but how did the character get here and what does it mean to the story and, you know, make it a piece of a bigger puzzle? That's what I hear you say. One, that is 100% what I'm saying. Okay. Like, I mean, yeah. I love a big scene as much as the next guy, like chew that scenery up, chew it up. I love it. Like, you know, but like, yeah, it needs to like feel organic getting there and having a reason and motivation behind it. Other than like you said, like it being just like, this is a grandiose moment. Okay. Whose mm -hmm. turn is it to step up to the podium? You know, like it didn't, you know, just like come in, you know, more right. naturally. And I feel like those moments should just be ingrained in, in a movie. They should just like be ingrained and feel organic in the movie rather than being like, Oh, Hey, like, like we shouldn't know that we're watching the Oscar scene when we're watching it, you know, right. it should be a, after you get done watching mm. the movie and you're thinking about it and you go, you know, that one scene, like that's the one, but like when you're watching, you shouldn't go, you shouldn't be able to point out like, Oh, Hey, this is the, this is the one, like this is the one that gets submit to the Academy for their consideration. It's you know? a tough, it's a tough balance to find um, because we are, we are conditioned for it now. And so part of that is in our own conditioning. And so, yeah, that's it's an interesting thing. Well, um, we uh, I've enjoyed that conversation. Do you guys have anything else you want to mention about the prom before we kind of go into talking about some more Viola Davis performances? Uh, we good? No, not really. Okay. No post-credit nah. scene. It's well, there's a mid-credit scene, but it's a continuation. It doesn't really <laughs> add anything. <laughs> Uh, there you um, go. That's a prom. It is on Netflix. Um, I would recommend it uh, if you love musicals. Um, if you don't, I wouldn't. Um, and that's kind of where I land. Andrew, what about you? What do you, who would you recommend it to? Anybody? Uh, I don't know because, like I said, for me personally, it was if it was me and I wasn't watching this movie for you know the show. It, first off, I probably wouldn't watch it anyway. But B, if I had started watching it. I would have probably quit watching it before it got good. So if you have, if you're willing to sit through what I would consider the rough, rough start, I think that there's a payoff in this. So I guess, yeah, I could, I guess I would recommend it. Okay. It's weird uh, for me to say I that. I wouldn't. <laughs> I think there's, um, I think Devon. there's a lot. I think there's a lot better things you can be watching with your two hours and 15 minutes. If you're fair. asking me, especially from somebody that does like musicals, I think there's a lot more better musicals you could be watching. Um, if I mean, if you really want to, it's there, but I, yeah. 
What I hear Devon no. saying is cancel your Netflix immediately. There's nothing good there. Everything stinks. <laughs> I think that's uh, that's basically the message yep. of today. Uh, that's what I'm picking up. <laughs> if it's right. not in the horror section. <laughs> that's right. Uh, all <laughs> right. Uh, before we get into the best ever challenge, just a reminder, uh, we are so thankful for our Sifpop members. Thank you for uh, sending a few bucks our way every month. Helps us continue to do this. Uh, helps us feel like there's value in what we do. And we appreciate you, if nothing else, watching, listening, and telling your friends about it. Uh, but the fact that you would go to that next step and uh, become a member at Patreon is just amazing. We try to give you some pretty cool thank you gifts for doing that. Um, you can check those out at patreon.com slash siftpop. One of those is a weekly bonus episode that we do for you. And uh, this week... Um, Andrew and I are going to be talking about Mandalorian Season 2. Uh, so, with spoilers, by the way. Um, so, just so you know ahead of time that the, uh, the bonus uh, podcast for this week will include some spoilers for Mandalorian Season 2. Um, but yeah, our members get access to all those bonus podcasts in your own podcast feed. You can check out that and all the other fun stuff uh, at patreon.com slash siftpop. All right, let's move on to our best ever challenge. We're going to do Viola Davis movies, uh, best ever movies that Viola Davis has been in. Um, so not necessarily uh, Viola Davis performances, but the best movies that she has been in. We will go from number five to number one. Um, and if we have something higher on our list uh, than somebody else who mentions it, we will trump Trump and, uh, and talk about it when it's uh, the turn for the person who has it the highest. Uh, we'll start at number five. Devon, why don't you kick us off? What's your number five Viola Davis movie? Um, let me pull up my list. One of you guys go <laughs> first, if you could. Andrew, why don't you kick us off? What's your number five? <laughs> well, I'm going to get Trump for this. So. <laughs> out of sight. Yes, Trump. I will Trump out of sight. Uh, we'll get there eventually. Uh, I, I watched it uh, for the first time, it, uh, or not first time, but to actually remember what the movie was. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So. Yeah. Good. Well, we'll talk about it uh, here in a bit. Um, uh, quite quite a long bit, uh, actually. Um, mm -hmm. I'm going to start my number five with Disturbia, um, which Viola Davis I was like in. I like that movie. It's good, right? Like, it's it, a it good should movie. be good. It's just a, a modern retelling of Rear Window, right? Like, there's, you know... It's it's just basically someone who's like, what if you made Rear Window with a teenager and added some yeah. stuff? And it really shouldn't be as good as it is, but it's it's very compelling. Yeah, it's a combination between Rear Window and a kids movie that I watched growing up called uh, Clubhouse Detectives. Like you know those like made for kid movies. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, it's the exact plot of this. A kid sees his neighbor murder a woman, and him and his friends have to try and. Uh, you know, uh, get evidence to prove that he's a murderer. It's the exact same plot. Um, uh, this is back whenever Shia LaBeouf was a little kid. You know, just a little kid. Uh, I think it's it's a fun movie, and uh, yeah, I like it. It is go. a fun movie. It was uh my number four pick, but my number five pick is gonna get trumped. Um, my number five pick is Fences, so I have a feeling that one yeah. gets trumped. So, um, but Disturbia. It's a fun one. I, I, I do love uh, it's a it's a lean little thriller. I like it. Yeah, it is. Lean is a great word for it. You know, it's just it's it's mm -hmm. really tight. It's really well told. It's just a, it's just a fun little movie. And uh, yeah, if you haven't seen Disturbia, uh, that is definitely recommend. Um, all right. We'll continue through our fours. Andrew, what's your number four? I'm going to go with Traffic. 
Ah, I had that in honorable mentions. Almost made my list. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just talking about... We're just talking about all the movies we talked about last week. Early, I know. You know. We did Soderbergh movies last week and Viola Davis movies this week. And you realize, like, Soderbergh loves Viola in... Davis. Like, he had yeah. her in, like, all his early movies. In fact, her early career is pretty much Soderbergh movies. Like, it's it's yeah. pretty impressive. Yeah. Um. So I'm just going to echo everything I said last week about Traffic and how, uh, out of all of Soderbergh's movies, I think it's the most visceral and gritty, uh, disturbing look at the uh narcotics i guess you could say pandemic or epidemic that's going on and like how that whole system works it's fascinating but it's also horrifying to watch kind of like how um sicario you know hits you you know this is this is more grounded in a more personal like how it affects people as opposed to how the government is you know trying to you know take on cartels and stuff like that but uh i think traffic's a great movie Good Benicio del Toro and uh, Michael Douglas performance. Very nice. Uh, my number four is this is where I have Widows. Um, not sure if I'll get trumped on that one, but Widows has kind of flown under people's radar a little bit. I don't know how it got lost, but it's a pretty impressive film. And um, Queen is doing some some really interesting things in it. And I just I, I really enjoy it. So um, it ended up at number four on my list so did, did you guys ever check out widows get a chance to, to i like it i haven't seen it yet i love steve mcqueen um and i just had not gotten around to it and then i don't know just for some reason it didn't jump out to me as much as his other films like it felt like he was you know i can tell this is like probably one of his more accessible films and like so, like you know, because I'm drawn to his like you know his artsy fartsiness. So. Well, it's I don't know, here. but I still want to. I still want to check it out, though. He, you can't, oh, you can't take that. You can't take that out of him. Um, he, okay, cool. He has he has moments in uh, this movie where he uses the camera in ways I've never seen it used before. And okay, he, good to know. He, yeah, in fact, I, I won't even spoil it for you. I was going to tell you the the one that comes to mind, but it's on a, a car ride, and it not only is impressive from a oh i i see what you're doing with the camera and how cool that is but also in the uh it also means something to the storytelling which is another thing i love about mcqueen is he does things intentionally it's not just because oh this would be cool you know it's because i'm showing something here um and so yeah i i I really enjoy widows so yeah so that's my number four on to our number threes yeah uh andrew why don't you kick us off uh first off i need to I just realized that I skipped a movie. I, I actually skipped my number five, so push up my five and four to four and three. But I'll <laughs> okay. just go ahead. But I'll go ahead and I'm confused. Name. But go ahead. I forgot to say my number five, and I skipped immediately to four and made that my five. Does that make sense? Yeah, I just don't remember what they were. But but go ahead. Okay. Give, give us your five through uh, three, and we'll we'll catch up. Okay. With you. So my five is doubt. Okay, I would have trumped that anyway. So yeah. Okay. Okay, yeah. And then so four is out of sight, and then number three was traffic. Got it. Got it. And we it. talked about three. So that was my number three, traffic. So now moving on to... To my number three? Yeah. Which is doubt. Look at that. Hey, How'd that work look out? At that. That's, how fun is that? Nice. Um, man, what a movie. Uh, yeah. This this is an absolutely incredible film. Uh, you can... Anytime you've got uh, Philip... You know, Seymour Hoffman, Meryl Streep, and Amy Adams on the cover. You know you're at least in for the possibility of amazingness. Um, so, yeah, it is 
it's good stuff and Viola's performance in it lives up to those other three, which is, you know, that force yeah. in, in this movie is just astonishing. So it's good stuff. I don't know. I don't know how I didn't know of the existence of this movie. I haven't seen it. But that sounds this all sounds amazing. These are some interesting flavors. I want to see how they blend together. Yeah. Oh, it's a it's a a, a duel of like who can out act who well that makes it sound oh, cheap yeah. a little bit that almost make that <laughs> no, almost cheapens but, it but yeah i know no, what you're but, saying but whenever you like look at what i'm saying is like whenever you see philip seymour hoffman pleading his case as opposed to meryl streep's accusations you know it it it, it works well enough to where by the end of the movie it lives up to the title and you just don't really it, know it's a thinker it's it's one of those that you come mm, yeah. out of going i'm not sure what i would do how i would react i love these kind of movies it's it's there's yeah. a lot of moral ethical questions in it uh there's a lot of uh spiritual you know explorations in it the idea of religion and how that impacts you know how we think about things like it's just it, it checks a lot of my boxes that i'm just like these are the kind of movies i love so yeah it's doubt is definitely mm-hmm. um one of my favorite movies ever and uh yeah that's why it's at number three on my list so in yeah. fact, my top three are all in my best movies of all time. So, so yeah. oh, that's awesome. Mm. Yep, I think uh, just my number one, and you know what that is. <laughs> and I'm sure I do. Uh, yeah. I think Devon I'm on my number your, three. Your number three, yep. yeah. Uh, my number three would be The Help. I don't know if that's going to. Uh, it was I had my first mentions. honorable mention. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, uh, I haven't I haven't revisited in a while, but. Um, help uh, i do remember just enjoying uh the performances i know some people have kind of looked back on it and like some people like look as like kind of shallow now i don't know i feel like that's kind of weird but it's gotten some, I feel like some it, uh white savior accusations yeah you know, that kind of stuff yeah but um i still uh do just uh I, I love the 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 tone of it because it's something that it's a film that could be a lot more dour than it than it is you know just because of the subject matter i think uh it struck a really interesting tone with and using the in, uh the the interesting mix of you know character actors that they have between viola davis octavia spencer and emma stone and um you know the bryce way that they brought i couldn't remember if it was jessica chastain or bryce dallas howard so i just wasn't gonna <laughs> they're say both in this. they're both in this oh they're both in it that's why i was like i was like which yeah. one of them is it but it's both there we go um but yeah, yeah um it's a it's a it's a good film though it is yeah. and uh it's the movie or it's the movie that made me ses- second guess pies for a little bit so <laughs> yeah. top top chef latrine uh, yeah exactly yeah, yeah. <laughs> No, uh, there's there's some uh, heavy hitting emotional, especially the last scene with uh, Bryce Dallas Howard and Viola Davis. Um, that's a hard hitting scene, and I think that's for me the first time I really took a serious look. I I know it sounds awful, but it's the first time I took a real serious look at Viola Davis and like, okay, you you got some acting chops, and I you're one that I am definitely gonna be looking out for moving forward yeah obviously i'd seen her in other stuff before but that was the one that i'm like you you got something yeah uh mm-hmm. all right on to our number twos um yep. i think uh andrew you'll kick us off what's your number two uh hello mr august wilson good to see you again talking about fences nice and it uh this movie yes uh viola davis is brilliant in this in this and she deserves all the accolades 
that she ever got. But honestly, I firmly believe this is Denzel Washington's best performance of his entire career. Uh, and it's funny because after watching the, uh, or I shouldn't say after, before watching the James Earl Jones portrayal of this character, uh, and, I, and I saw the trailer for this, I'm like, uh, I don't know, yeah, Denzel Washington, he's good, but I don't know if anybody can really live up to Darth Vader, you know? I mean, he he really just knocked it out of part James Earl Jones did. Uh, a part of that is his voice is obviously so powerful and it really sells uh whenever he's uh talking down to his son you know that he just has a presence to him that i didn't know if denzel washington could uh compete with uh not only does he compete with uh james earl jones i think that he delivers a performance that exceeds and you know is just otherworldly incredible in this that i'm like okay yeah you you just outdid James Earl Jones. And like, uh, kind of like with uh, Ma Rainey, it is a movie that doesn't hide the fact that it's based on a play. You definitely feel the fact that this is a play. Yeah. Um, that doesn't really bother me as much. I, I, whenever I see that happen, I just think uh, it's just another avenue to tell a story. Uh, I don't think that, and I'm, uh, Devon, I'm not saying that this is what you were saying, but. Uh, I, I don't look at it and like, oh, it's play. You can only see it as a play, you know, or anything like that. I think that it's it, seeing things through other or giving people the opportunity to see a story being told through other venues that they might not otherwise have been able to is uh, something that I really want to see championed more. But getting back to this, I think that it's a great story with powerful, uh, you know, visual visuals and character uh, arcs i think it's brilliant devon you want to talk about fences a little bit yeah um i did want to chime in that it was like this is like fences is an example of like it in a way that it works that like it definitely mm. felt that it had a reason to be cinematic because it just felt like you know it, it was a blending of taking a stage play and then like that that slice of life kind of uh genre you know where you're just like kind of presenting these people and their life and like you know and like the monologues you know are feel a little bit more natural because they're more conversational you know versus in ma rainey they're a little bit you know all more bigger and showier Versus this mm -hmm. one has the show rear ones, but it, it builds there because it builds as a like cinematic experience as a movie builds. So it, mm. so fences is uh, definitely on the aspect where it definitely works. And then you just also insert like, you know, these powerhouse actors and Denzel and Viola Davis. And they just, you know, let them swing for the fences. <laughs> hey! And, and uh and it and it definitely works out. It's a it's a powerful film. It's not a film that I like find myself rewatching or anything. Like I think I've only seen it twice, but um like it's it's like ultra powerful and uh definitely works in a cinematic fashion. Yeah, it's incredible yeah. stuff. Great performances, um you know, especially from the key the key two, Denzel and Viola are absolutely astonishing in it. Uh all right, on to my number or do we who your number two. My number two is Ocean's Eleven. Um, which you may not have on your list. Uh, and I don't you know may, she was in you it. You may not even know that she's in it. Uh, but guess who makes an uncredited appearance in Ocean's Eleven because uh. Soderbergh loves her so much? 
uh, Viola Davis. Uh, so yeah, I went ahead and put it on my list because I'm just that guy. Uh, well, sneaky, hey, sneaky. knock out, uh, take out out of sight. And uh, replace it with Ocean's Eleven on my list. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. All right, so where are we at now? Are Not we, for you, though. <laughs> are we ready for uh, our, our number ones, or did we do Devon's uh, number two? I think Devon had two. his number two. All right, what's your number two, Devon? Uh, my number two is a film called It's Kind of a Funny Story. Okay. It, uh, it's a smaller film that came out in 2010. Um, it has um, it has Emma Roberts, uh, Zach Galifianakis is in it, Um and she plays a doctor to this uh, ward of um, teenagers that have like committed suicide or not committed, have attempted suicide mm-hmm. or have had other depressive thoughts. And like, you know, um, and not just teens, there's like teens, but then there's also other people, too. But um, and it's just like the connection that this uh, this young uh, teenage boy character makes with some of the different people in this hospital and then um you know the connection they makes with uh the doctor played by viola davis and uh it's a it's a very small movie and it but it's a very she she gives a very like tender like that that tender yet stern um kind of uh you know relationship to Mm -hmm. to her character with him and uh it's really good but it's also a really great movie it's a cute little coming of age uh movie that also deals with like some like heavy themes and some like big thoughts. And, um, it's a, it's great. Like if you watch it, especially like if you are like a, like 16 year old watching this movie, it's very good, but it's good for anybody to watch it. But, um, it, it's a, it's a nice little, uh, indie flick, uh, broken social scene did the score for it. That's a, this like elusive indie super group, um and uh it's a it's a good movie it's really funny but it's also pretty heartwarming might make you cry a little bit it's good stuff nice it's, it has a fascinating cast i'm looking at right now yeah, yeah emma roberts uh, and yeah zach galifianakis uh, uh, a young zoe kravitz is in there jim gaffigan yeah has a really interesting nice. cast it's kind of a funny story is the name of the movie uh all right we are now on to our number ones uh andrew what do you got well, it's my 18th favorite movie of all time, so it's got to be number one. I'm going to go with Prisoners. Yeah. Oh, hey, me too. Hey, hey! shared number one. Very nice. <laughs> um, Shocker. It's one of the greatest movies of all time, so there you go. Uh, you guys have heard me uh, shout out my love for this movie over and over again. I'm going to hand it over to Devon so he can you know, let people know why I'm right. <laughs> man like prisoners is a is a lean mean gritty just it's dirty um i love i love me a good neo-noir uh crime thriller and uh our boy denny v comes through um i mean stat cast from like top to bottom just great performances all over the board and obviously it's like you know more led by jake gyllenhaal and um uh, why am Hugh I Jackman. blanking on it? Hugh Jackman. I kept wanting to call him Logan. I go, I was like Logan, Logan, <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> it's better than but, Jack um, Human. Yeah, <laughs> but um, you know they're the leads here. But Viola Davis uh, does bring another emotional supporting uh, performance to the to the table. 
um, and she is absolutely fantastic. But I mean, man, this movie, Denny V, you got Roger Deakins doing the cinematography. I mean, the score, it's everything is just so great about this movie, like in the, the look of it, the framing. I mean, ah, there's, there's just so much to, to break down. Like it's, it's like, it's an incredibly dense movie, but it doesn't Mm -hmm. feel like it when you're watching it though. Yeah. I love the, uh, Ability or the the fact that this movie doesn't shy away from showing you how uh, shock and trauma affects people differently, and how people immediately react to something drastic and ter- terrible like this happening. You have Hugh Jackman who gets violent and you know just going all out. You have I forget who played Hugh Jackman's wife, I apologize, but you look at Viola Davis and she just kind of shuts down, you know, uh, or uh, you look at um, Terrence Howard, who uh, who really like, just... kind of like he, regresses. And... Yeah, he regresses and he doesn't know what to do. Um, yeah, sorry, it was a Maria Bello who um, l- loses it. You know, she just goes, you know, loopy with it. And you see how this this tragedy affects everybody differently and you're like i could see that happening for every single one or i could see me in each of their shoes like i could see me going crazy like you jackman or i could see me shutting down like viola davis or losing it like uh, maria bello um we haven't really talked about paul dano and how crazy good he is in this we've talked about how good uh jake gyllenhaal and hugh jackman are but paul dano if he isn't selling that performance like he is uh, uh you don't feel as conflicted as you do as to what's happening you know that where's my daughter scene with the hammer is one of the most tense like like white knuckle inducing scenes of any movie i've seen ever it really is i have to put this on my rewatch list i really do i it just it, i maybe i wasn't in the right place for it the first time i saw it um i have come to fall in love of course with uh denis villeneuve and the mm-hmm. stuff that he's done and um i think i just need to revisit this one i have a feeling if i revisit it i would come closer to how you guys uh, feel about it um i remember thinking it was it was good i just don't remember uh loving it the way you guys do um i i like the actors um you know as you mentioned um uh, Jack Human, uh, Jill Jakenhall, and uh, Dan Paulo. Uh, all those, all those guys are really good. But, uh, but yeah. Um, anyhow, I do it's like need the to pig Latin prisoners. <laughs> I do, I do need to rewatch that one. Uh, so that I just... hope that I hope my our love for it, and especially my love, my adamant love for it, isn't overselling and hyping. So when you do no, rewatch it, you're like, oh, I've it's not it. Citizen Kane. No, 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 I've seen it. I know I, what it is. I, your hype's not going to change change me. So, yeah. What were you going to say, uh, Devon? Oh, I, I saw it kind of late to the game whenever it was already, like, pretty hyped up. But, like, this was, like, one of the instances, like, when a movie, like, fully delivered, like, on on that hype yeah. for me. Like, that, yeah. that, 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 that when, when Jakey G is driving her to the hospital in the rain. Oh, oh and the blood. Oh, oh. Uh. <laughs> oh, and the blood and the rain, uh. rain and the blood and the rain. Um, there is both rain and blood in my number one as well. In fact, I, for the first time in Sif Pop history, in back to back weeks, have the exact same number one and number two. Uh, I don't know that that will ever happen again, uh, but I have Ocean's Eleven at number two and Out of Sight at number one. Uh, again, 
saw this, uh, uh, rewatched this for the first time in many, many years, just a couple weeks ago, and absolutely floored me, blew me away. Uh, so if you want to know my thoughts, you know, just rewind a week and uh, <laughs> you can you can hear my my overpraise for this incredible movie. So you re- you rewatched it again too, Andrew? Yeah, um, I watched it when it first came out in what was it ninety eight something like that. Yeah, it's been a while. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I, and I just remembered. I think I said this last week too that I just watched it. I'm like, man, these people are really beautiful. They are, and they I are didn't really people. care much about the story or anything. Having uh, rewatched it, you know, with my quote unquote critical eye, I uh, really, really underestimated how good or how effective chemistry can really drive a love for a movie. The sexual chemistry between Jennifer Lopez and George Clooney is far none the best out of any movie ever. But beyond that, the actual, and I also love a good heist movie. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that, funny enough, you, you you look at like Ocean's Eleven and you, you would probably get the impersonation that uh, uh, Soderbergh is like a, a heist guy because he did that this and then uh logan lucky you're like oh he's just a heist guy i think that the the heist element of this movie is secondary if not is it tertiary mm-hmm. yes yeah, it comes third uh tertiary to what is going on you have the 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 romance element which i think comes first mm-hmm. and then the um <clears throat> does my do our conflicting ideologies or you know, of how we go about life, can you still love and care for a person? I think that comes second. And then there's the heist. I think that, yeah. Uh, also, uh, we got to shout out Don Cheadle, who's pretty, not terrifying, but he's unsettling in this in a in a really good good way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Another Soderbergh staple. Uh, Cheadle was in a yep. ton of Soderbergh's early stuff. Uh, so yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm glad you rewatched it. I would highly encourage anybody that hasn't seen it in a while, uh, check it out again. It's such a great movie. Um, let's mm-hmm. throw out some, uh, honorable mentions. Uh, do you guys have any before I kind of run? I've got, uh, like three more. One, to mention. two, I got two. Yeah. Go ahead and throw those out. Law abiding citizen. Okay. It's, I, I know what the movie's trying to do and I think it succeeds in what it's trying to do. Having said that it's, it's an okay movie. Uh, it's a, it's unique. There's not really right. many movies out there like it. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. And also, uh, uh, talking about George Clooney, I'm going to throw out Syriana. Uh, I think the movie's overrated, but still good. A lot of people think this is like the second coming of movies. And I'm like, it's, it's fine. It's good. <laughs> I mean, George Clooney is the, for me, I think George Clooney is the only thing that really sells that movie of being as good as people think it is. Uh, other than that, I think it's, meh, it's good. Yeah, yeah. Those uh, are my two. Did you have any honorable mentions, uh, Devon? No, uh, I, I kind of realized going back through our filmography that, uh, that I definitely had um, a few a few that I needed to hit up, so my, my five were pretty much uh, my, my ones for her. Okay. Uh, shout out to Night and Day, which is much better than you remember it being. Um, doesn't mean it's a great movie. But, uh, but you might want to check it out. Uh, Ender's Game, which I have a soft place in my heart for. I kind of enjoyed that one. And then uh, Solaris, which is another Soderbergh film. And really kind of the earliest in her career that I think you really get, aside from the other Soderbergh movies, 
Um, I, I really think you get an idea of what she's capable of in uh, Solaris. And, you know, speaking of the sexual chemistry that you mentioned with Clooney, it's, it's really Soderbergh trying to recapture that with Clooney and another actress, and it doesn't quite work. And there's a lot of things about Solaris that don't quite work. Um, but it's enough of a thinker and uh, enough of a performance vehicle that I would at least throw it out there as just kind of at least a mention um, if you want to check out more from Viola. It's a great one, uh, a great performance of hers in her early earlier career. So um, Solaris is one you might want to check out. Uh, all right, on to our buried treasure. What's that one thing in any area of pop culture that you want to make sure people know about? Uh, Devon, as our guest, we'll let you go first. What do you got? Um, uh, since we were, since we were talking musicals today and I was talking ones that I didn't really like, I wanted to share one that I recently watched that I fell in love with as an older movie. Um, Mr. Uh, Brian De Palma has one of the most interesting filmographies of yeah, like sure. any director. Like it just has, he's spanned so many things and, um, so many people had been telling me for a long time, they said, Devon, you really need to watch Fam of the Paradise. You really need to watch Fam of the Paradise. And I watched it. I don't know if you guys have watched it recently, but man, oh man. Oh, you haven't seen it at all. I've, I don't think I've ever seen it. No. This is, yeah, super early, weird Brian De Palma. Uh, this came out in 74. And it is not a full-on musical, but it's a pretty close to being what well, has lots of music in it um but it's basically brian de palma doing his interpretation of faust um Ooh. with with a musical edge to it um and i don't know how to say too much of it without um ruining anything but uh, a guy is uh wronged by a uh, notoriously powerful record producer um, he is wronged and then um, it becomes the Phantom of the Paradise, which is this um, large like uh, opera hall where they do like musical variety performances of uh, and stuff. And uh, it has uh, Jessica Harper um, is uh, is one of the main leads. Uh, this was before she was in Suspiria. Um, it's just, it's super weird and bombastic and like the, the look for our antagonist is like so weird and unique looking and, um, but it definitely has like a lot of, um, a lot of big themes at play as far as like, you know, um, the art and like when it comes to artists and producer relationships and the way that we, um, have like form our associations with art and you know dissociating them from the artist itself i don't know uh, it's just cool. a movie that you should you should go see it's uh, got like a lot of glam rock uh kind of type stuff is like kind of the main genre but it bounces around musically it kind of feels like a, a a low budget um old school baz lerman movie but brian de palman made it nice. and it's super weird great music really great performances and uh, it's a thinker. Like it was a movie I watched. I like thought about it for like a week because it's just like it's so like in the moment you're watching all the weirdness going on. Like because it just gets yeah. really crazy. But then afterwards you're like, okay, now that I've digested all of that, 
there's a lot going on and then like that's a great movie like i love a movie that just like leaves me thinking so i love movies from the 70s i'm realizing i love movies from the 70s as i'm like trying to go back and uh watch older movies uh what was the name of it again uh phantom Phantom of of the paradise Paradise. phantom of the paradise Uh, in case you want to check that one out andrew what about you I am going to go with, uh, it's not fully done yet, but I'm going to go with the series, like the final season for Attack on Titan. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, uh, I always hear this uh, in the conversation of, is this the greatest anime of all time? I wouldn't have it on my list or as the greatest. It's definitely in the top five, though. Uh, I, I, if somebody were to tell me that they think this is the greatest show of all time, I wouldn't argue with them. I'm like, yeah, that I get it. Hmm. It's one of the greatest shows I've ever seen. It's, uh, it's, it's unlike any other anime out there. It is very hard to watch, uh, based on the actual, like what goes on in the show. It's haunting and it's eerie, but the world building is fascinating. The characters are incredible. Hmm. I think that honestly, uh, if I was like listing like what I believe are the greatest episodes of any show ever, I think two of the episodes of Attack on Titan would be on that top 10 list. Wow. Which is crazy to think about. But yeah, there's two episodes I would consider some probably some of the greatest writing and performances of any show ever. So if you haven't seen Attack on Titan, again, Content warning, it is very graphic and violent and disturbing. But if you are, I guess, desensitized to that, then it is one you have to check out. Very interesting. We're going to run the gamut today. Uh, Devon's going with the De Palma musical. You're going with one of the greatest animes ever. And I'm going with a laid-back Netflix documentary called uh, My Octopus Teacher. Um, this is <laughs> This is one of those documentaries that you could read the description you could hear somebody talk about it and then you could be like that doesn't sound like anything i would ever want to spend an hour of my life uh, let alone 90 minutes of my life watching um i am here to tell you that if you decide to watch it i think you're going to come away from it uh really um interested in this story of this man who decided he was going to go diving in the same spot every single day of his life And he started to develop a relationship with an octopus. And it is one of the strangest, most interesting looks at the intelligence of other creatures and kind of how they live their life and how they learn and what they do. And I don't know if you've looked at, you know, kind of some of the crazy videos of octopuses online about how they camouflage, incredibly camouflage. They're the the best creatures ever. So uh, with all that in mind, it just makes this such an interesting look at the life of this octopus and the life of uh, this man interacting with this um, octopus and what he learns from the octopus in his life. Um, again, I know it sounds like something you, you wouldn't want to invest in, but, you know, crank it up. And hey, I've already born- watched Shape of Water. I'm ready to go down this road again. <laughs> it, this yeah. isn't much different. Um, <laughs> yeah. He kind of falls in love with this octopus. Yeah, yeah it's, it's pretty much creepy. the same. Oh, Devon, have you seen it? I have seen it. Um, I kind of I did want to tag something onto it because so yeah. I watched it, and when I watched it, I loved it. I cried. I love octopus or octopus octopi, and I think they're I think they're like the coolest creatures ever. However, so I watched it, and then I also 
uh, watched this uh, this uh, YouTube video video essay about it afterwards mm-hmm. of this person's interpretation of the documentary and oh, uh, kind of and kind of uh, telling you how the how the film is effective in um, falling into the the trap of this uh, the, this guy. And uh, kind of, th- she basically describes the movie also as like in a, in a comedic form, like you know, uh, as a like romantic horror movie. <laughs> <laughs> and then, and it kind of recontextualizes like the reasoning uh, for him making the documentary. Um, but watch the documentary for the octopus stuff because octopi are just so f- they're so cool. Like they are, I, be- really I believe, cool. te- and it is touching. <clears throat> I believe technically it's octopuses. Uh, you know, I, I had to look this up for a, a script I wrote once. Is it not octopi anymore? No, I, I everybody thinks octopi. because the, everything has to be Latin that it would be octopi, but apparently it's octopuses. So uh, in case you ever wanted to know the, the plural. The octopi is, you know, kind of a, a cousin of the pie and the help. Uh, it's just a little little bit different. Uh, <laughs> yeah, the eight of them. Yeah, there's, there's eight of them, exactly. Uh, that's going to wrap it up for Sif Pop today. Uh, Sif Pop is part of the Studio DNA Podcast Network. Uh, you can find out more about other shows on the network at studiodna.media or by searching Studio DNA in your podcast player. Uh, huge thanks to Andrew for hanging out again today. Appreciate you, man. Thank you, buddy. Huge thanks to producer Phil for producing both the audio and video show. Thanks, Phil. And thank Good you job, to Phil. thank you to Drew for the uh, the art for putting together some of the design of the show. Golf clap. And much uh, thank yous to Devon for hanging out with us again. Devon Taylor, where do, you, where do you want to uh, to send people uh, to see, hear your stuff? Yes, thank you so much for having me, guys. Um, uh, glad, as always, to stop in on the show and bring a little different flavor than I usually do to these episodes today. <laughs> That's right. Um, this, was, uh, this was fun. We had uh, some really productive conversations. I enjoyed that. Um, you guys can find me. Um, I host a horror podcast called the Blade Blunt Cinema Club. Um, we talk about horror movies, but specifically um, digging into the subgenres of horror movies. So we kind of have a monthly theme, and then each episode we cover sometimes one movie, sometimes two. We've also done entire franchises. So, um, and uh, I've gotten to talk to some directors about their films as well. Um, so it's a it's a good time. So make sure you guys check out my podcast. The uh, Twitter page for that is at Bloody Blunt CC, and then you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at underscore Daddy Disco. I do photography and I write stuff for Nightmare on Film Street, and uh, I do uh, all sorts of other things, music awesome. things and video things. Yeah, I'm a busy guy. Check that is out. what we do. That is what we do. Nice. Uh, much love and gratitude to our Sif Pop members for giving monthly to make Sif Pop a real thing. Support starts at three bucks a month. You get some uh, access to the bonus episodes as well as some other fun perks. You can find out more at patreon.com slash Sif Pop. You can connect with the podcast by leaving a comment, rating it, or leaving a review at Apple Podcasts. Or you can email us, feedback at Sif Pop. Dot com. And finally, if you're having a good time, your movie-loving friends will probably like the show, too. So make sure you let them know about it and that listening is much easier than getting Ma Rainey to do anything that Ma Rainey doesn't want to do. We will be back uh, next week with another special guest in some more movies. Um, and I believe we'll have Wonder Woman and uh, Soul to talk about next week. Those both drop on Christmas. So Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, and we will see you guys next week. Bye.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.